What is the difference between being punk and being a punk? We are here to talk some punk rock, some music comics. Punk culture, DIY shit, anything we want to talk about. That's, that's what fascinates Give me everything. Absolutely everything. I find that, that music and comics have always been intertwined. Muxbound. Chicks okay. dig it. Don't worry. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Muxbat, everybody. Um, today we got uh, Ben with me as almost always, and uh, almost, <laughs> and Lawrence Lindell, who I actually have an intro written for. I did not get it approved by him, so let's hope this goes well. <laughs> uh, Lawrence Lindell is an accomplished scene creator, artist, and writer based in Long Beach, California. Did I get that right? No. Ah, dang it. <laughs> he is known for his impactful zines that touch on a variety of topics, including mental health, social justice, and personal growth. Lawrence's work is deeply personal and often draws from his own experiences, offering readers a relatable and authentic perspective on the world around us. The rest of it was pretty spot on. <laughs> I know that just from reading some. <laughs> so, man, thanks for coming, to, coming on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, real quick, the our podcast we talk like we at right at the front we say we're here to talk about punk comics, DIY, um, and music, and that like you sum up a bunch of that, if not all of that. So, it's um it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I was just talking to a buddy of mine today about um you know, how entrepreneurship is kind of a personality trait more than it is a career path. You know what I mean? How like you have to, certain brains just come up with a lot of ideas and have to like implement them in some way. And all the people I've known that have like run their own business or kind of done their own thing in life, whether that's artistic or, or any other kind of field, they, they have this um, like, it's, it's like a force that's like pulling them wherever they're going. And they just, have to execute they have to try these new things they have no choice and um you seem to be kind of like like right in that in that vein everything you do is like you're putting your own stamp on your own shit like do you work for anybody or do you just do your own thing yeah no um for the last 10 years i've done the kind of self-published diy but I also do stuff with the new yorker and then oh, very cool. coming out with drawn and quarterly. So it's like, uh, I'm fortunate enough to live in both of those worlds. Mm. And most of those worlds also came from like, uh, drawn and quarterly started kind of like independently. Right. Uh -huh. So it's like, you know, there might be big now, but it's kind of the same, like, uh, same mentality. Right. That's why I like working with them. Cause it's not like, uh, okay, make these comics and let's make a bunch of money. It's like, all right, we love comics. We have a bigger mm -hmm. platform. Yeah. Are you interested in working with us? And I'm like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how did you get connected with them? Did they did they contact you or were you just interested in, you know, paths got crossed or something like that? Yeah, it's funny. Uh I uh, well everyone knows about D and Cube because of comics, but I met them at Small Press Expo <laughs> and then I pitched to them and they didn't respond um <laughs> and then i did a comic thing here in the bay called the baileys and they were a fan of that and then i pitched to them again they were like oh we're so sorry we didn't see your pitch the first time uh we're glad we get to work with you now and i think it's better because it's like if i would have did it when i first wanted to do it i don't think it would have came out the way this book came out so mm. yeah. so how did it evolve uh between pitches so to speak um it's based off of a webcomic I did called Section. Uh, and basically, I had so much done already that they were like, oh, yeah, we could see this being. Um, well, I keep looking to, because the computer's here, but the camera's here. So I keep looking, thinking yeah, I'm no looking problem. at you, but I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at you. <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> but yeah, so I had so much content. Like, uh, the story was already built over the last uh, 2018, 19, 20, 24 years. So it was like putting into a book was like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, 
That's right. Awesome. Very cool. So um, anybody watching this right now like, is familiar with my work. Uh, and I, so I, I sat next to Lawrence at Chicago Zine Fest like six years ago. And um, he, I had a book that actually I, I had drawn a blister story in um, my blister comic. And at the time, that was the only blister comic material there was. I was sitting uh, later in the show. It was kind of slow. So we were chatting a bit and he was looking through there and he, Lawrence looked at that story and he said, if you had a book of this, I would want that. And I was like, huh, I wanted to do a book of that, but like, no, I didn't have like that push. And I, I don't know that I wouldn't, I would have probably done it anyways, had that not happened, but I think Lawrence gave me a nice boost there. And that was one thing that I really appreciated um, about getting to know him at all during that small time was that his positivity was, and it's prevalent in his work, I think, which is something that um, helped him helps him stand out when you look at his work. Um, mm, yeah. So. <laughs> so it seems like what you're doing is is uh, very honest in a way that like comics tend to be very like kind of rooted in suspension of disbelief to some degree. You know, it's like people flying and shooting lasers out of their eyes and shit. But you're using it in a in a uh, a more personal and and uh, kind of autobiographical way, I guess. So, um, you know, and and you do speak a, lo uh, a lot about mental health. So, I, we've talked about this in the past, but just it seems like art is probably the healthiest form of therapy that people can pursue, and. I was wondering how comics ended up becoming your outlet for for this sort of therapeutic exercise. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I'm also I started off as a drummer uh, in a lot of punk oh, no hardcore bands. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so I do music and comics. Still, I still do music, but comics just lends itself to me easier than being in a band or like you know. It's, sure. Yeah, um, but uh, I made two comics and they're titled "Couldn't Afford Therapy," so it was almost like a no choice you know what i mean like it was like right. <laughs> it was like i couldn't afford it and i was like well i gotta do something and i was like i draw comics uh let me see how this works uh with mm. handling my mental health and it actually turned out to be a very um like positive and healthy way like it's stuff mm -hmm. that it's funny because therapists use my comics in their therapy sessions so it's <laughs> there you it's, go man it was one of those things where it's like okay i was on to something uh and they'll tell me like yeah keep going with this like even if you can't afford it like this is something that we use in the practice so you're on the right track um yeah it just came out of necessity yeah i'm gonna guess that most of the time if somebody's being talked about in somebody else's therapy session it's not a good thing so kudos to you <laughs> yeah. well the way they broke it down to me was like their patient uh, brought a page from my comic and was like this this is what i feel um this is what i'm trying to explain to you you know hmm. so it's just the power that we have as artists to kind of paint these pictures that other people might not be able to or some shit like that i don't know but yeah like you know yeah no that that makes perfect sense you know it's it's cool because like i remember i was like uh an early adopter of facebook back in like the university days but like i also remember outside you know like when you when you would stay out until the lights were on i also remember that shit so like it's it's fascinating seeing how language has evolved and changed where like memes have become more of the the language than the actual words and there's something like unique about a comic book where it's this i've always felt like comics are the perfect form of like storytelling because a picture is worth a thousand words. I'm a writer. I'll fully admit it. You know, like I, it, you could do it way faster. <laughs> you know what I mean? And marrying the two is just a, like a, almost a perfect art form. All it needs is like a backing track. <laughs> well, you know, there, there's like a, I don't want to say it's a movement, but kind of like a, not, not like, not like a visual comics, but there's like people making soundtracks to their comics mm. Mm. but like it's like an album i don't know how to explain it because it's not fully formed yet that's what i love about comics is like everybody's experimenting with stuff but right. there's, I, I feel like that's coming real soon like 
the backing track to the comics with the words. And, yeah. I, I actually had that in mind when I wrote um, my comic. Uh, you know, I created a playlist on Spotify to go with and, and I would play it over and over as I was writing it. And then I kind of distilled it down to like four or five tracks that would like last the entirety of you flipping through the pages. And it seemed appropriate, but then I was like, how am I going to, how am I yeah. going to market this? I didn't, I was already trying to figure out how to crowdfund a fucking comic. So I was like, <laughs> I'll do this another day. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, there, it seems like that's, that's an, another like layer of this you could add for sure. Have you thought about doing that? Like in, incorporating yeah. music into your work? So I've been the Blackbird, which is the book that's coming out with John Corley. I've been scoring it kind of, if you will. Cool. I'm trying to figure out how to. Yeah, put it together where it's not just like a low budget version of animation or like, you know, it's not. Yeah, I haven't figured it out yet because it's not. Mm -hmm. Only a few people have done it and I don't know if it's successful. I feel like it is because they tried it out, but you know, you're like, it's it's still up in the air right now, kind of like how mm -hmm. to actually make it all work. Have you explored um, Adobe, uh, uh, the puppet one? I've, I've been playing with it. The. Uh... Character animator from Adobe. <laughs> oh, check that one out. It's pretty cool. I've been uh, playing with that with animating Blister a little bit, and it's fun. Yeah, I'm fascinated by that stuff. Like, how do you guys, because I'm not an artist. That's like the one thing I have no talent in at all. You're a writer and a drummer. You're for sure an artist. Um, yeah. Even go. if it's well, like quote unquote visual, visual, but like, I mean, yeah. would, would you paint with, especially with you're right. As a bias I, person, I didn't, as a drummer. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I meant it that way, but thank you for the compliment. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, uh, I just, I I have, I think I was discouraged when I was a kid from the visual side of things. And uh, so I kind of like sunk my teeth into music and then writing kind of came after. Um, but uh, I, I've always been curious and like fascinated by like, how do you picture what you're doing and get it on the page because like writing i can do that it'll take 30 pages but i can do it whereas you guys just lay it out and then it's there it's fascinating to me do you know how you do it yeah i was gonna see if eric wanted to no i'm gonna defer to you <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it it depends on um what you're making so the thing about comics is like you you could be as literal as you want to or you could you don't mm -hmm. have to be as literal as you want to um so the 30 pages you wrote uh kind of in prose or whatever you want to call it uh mm -hmm. i could maybe turn that into one single panel depending on how descriptive you are in those 30 pages or if it's necessary to have everything in the panel uh i love comics because you don't actually need to know how to draw to make good comics uh it's something that people that? Something people think like just because you can draw, you can make comics. It's like illustration and comics are two very different things. Uh, they lend hmm. very much to each other. But uh, there's plenty of comics who are very successful using stick figures because um, hmm. it's not a like it's a visual language, but it's it, it's hard to describe because people hear it and be like, "What are you talking about?" You know, there's inkers and pencilers and colorists, and it's like, yeah, that's a part of comics, but. I can make some very brilliant comics with stick figures and like expressions and words. Yeah. And, and it's still successful. I can think of a couple off the top of my head. It's yeah. about the language of comics and not just the visual aesthetic, which a lot of people fall like into, like thinking they can draw. So that means you make good comics. And it's like, you just made a pretty picture, which is cool, but that's not necessarily yeah. a great comic. Well, I'll argue all the time. Like there's sometimes people will be like, uh, I think that the inside artist should do the cover. And those are two different skill sets. Being able to draw a beautiful illustration. With, I mean, you definitely don't want it to stray too far. And you can do both. But there, there's people that, like, would be almost upset that the cover artist wasn't the interior artist. And, like, I, I'm not a great cover artist. I like doing the in interior um, narrative work. But so it's there's just a lot of different thing decisions at play there. Yeah, well, there's a musical parallel as well, right? Like, I like I play drums, but I also play hand drums. I know a lot of drummers that are like just beasts on the kit, but when they watch me with a djembe, they're like, "How are you? Hold on, how did you do that?" Like, they can't. They start tapping away and they get it for a second, but like, it's not as intuitive, you know? Yeah, 
And there's certain things to think about too with comics, like the the page turn reveals sometimes. Right. Um, yeah, the narrativization of the picture. Yeah, some some people are hardcore about that. Um, some, I I like to use it, you know, at, at certain times. So maybe it'll catch you off guard more. Um, and yeah, just when you when I start to lay out a page, I'll think about, um, you know, what's what's going to be the striking and where where do I want my eye to be led and there's a lot of decision making that goes on like behind the scenes, mm-hmm. I guess. It probably looks a lot more simple in the end. So do you do you kind of picture it semi semi fully formed in advance and then just uh, like kind of reveal it to yourself or does it start as a sketch and it kind of like 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 an improv kind of thing? Yeah, per, for me, I I'll do some quick thumbnails. A little, I'll start with stick figures, I guess, on another piece of paper and then get it all laid out and then go in a little yeah. further. Um, what about you, Lawrence? Yeah, for me, it depends on what I'm making. So if I'm doing like a diary comic, it's irrelevant because it's just the diary. Uh, when I do like mental health comics, uh, it depends on what I'm talking about. Um, for Blackwood, I use the source material from the web comic as like kind of, all right, well, this is where the story is going and how do I want to yeah. fill that in? Um, for my editor, we did, uh, I did rough drafts, not really thumbnails, but like rough draft pages. And um, we spent a lot of time on that portion of it before we even went into making, which was different for me because, you know, I just do what I want. So I'm like, right. what is this? <laughs> but I, I appreciate her because uh, she allowed me so much time to really get every single idea I wanted out. So when I executed the final book, it was nearly perfect, which is rare. Like, I don't really care about being yeah. perfect. I just want the feeling on the page. But this was a different experience where it's like, I got the feeling and it was like, damn, like, I really made this. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, I'm super proud of just everything I've learned about comics I put into this kind of book. And it was nice to work with, finally work with the editor that I like that kind of just loves comics. And was there to support me as opposed to be like, all right, we need a book that will cater to whoever and whoever. It was just like, all right, what's your vision? I was like, is this? And she was like, all right, let me help you get to that vision. And I heard, like, that's what a good editor is, but I had never experienced that before. So, uh-huh. yeah, it was my first time being right. like, oh, this is what people are talking about. <laughs> so how much does that story change from the webcomic to the book? Like, is it? Is it just, is it moments that are different, but it's still the same sort of uh, complete picture or how does that? Yeah, it's a, so the webcomic was a, an idea I had and a page was drawn a day. So there was no thumbnails, no planning. Uh, it was ink colored, written and posted the same day. So whatever I wanted to experiment with, I just put on the page in 24 hours and then I put it up and people just happened to like it. Uh, with Blackbird, I kind of, like went into the characters' lives and, you know, that type of thing. And um, It's the same, though. I really do feel like it's the same. I feel like it's what, what the section would have been, which is what the webcomic is called, if it wasn't meant to be like a spontaneous experiment thing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So it's like all that experimenting led to, you know, the final product, which is Blackbird, which is, I think, is the best way to make art. It's like... Don't try to make it perfect. Just experiment and see, like, how can I pull out, even with music, like, especially with music. But music lends mm-hmm. itself to improvisation, so it's a little different than. It's it's more in the moment. Yeah, like so. Yeah. You, you want that in music, and people will even like kind of like, oh wow, you see what they did there in comics. They're like, what are you doing? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't like that. We go back to the stuff we know. And music is like, oh damn, did you hear that note? Well, I never heard it played so. I want comics to be more like that in terms of like improv and like mm-hmm. experimenting and stuff. Comics are so much work too. Like there's all, like every one of them is a huge project. So like there's a point where in your head you have to get to the point of I need it finished, not perfect. Like so it's cool that you got to finish it and then go back and perfect it. So I'm like, that's cool. Yeah, you know that that sort of improv mentality, bringing that to comics, that is. Now that I think about it, I didn't 
it didn't really cross my mind until you said it, but that is something seriously lacking in in the uh, the comic world kind of ethos. I would say is like the we're we're just we're just having fun, guys. Like this, we don't have to make everything about you know uh, a particular storyline or a character that has to be retained in some way. Like all that stuff, it's mythology. We're just having fun. We're just making making cool shit. Yeah, often I'll tell people that like when like so mine and Ben's world and our mutual friends and stuff in the indie comics community, a lot of it is people trying to audition for Marvel or something essentially. Yeah. And I'm telling people all the time that if you go to the Artist Alley at C2E2 or Emerald City or whatever, and you go look at those indie comic creators, and then you step out of that world and you go to a zine fest, you're going to see really independent people making some bizarre shit, some just the most amazing off the wall like stuff, like and some of the most genuine stuff. But you're also going to see like a hundred times the amount of people that you saw at the Artist Alley. Like the, the it's so much bigger, and I know that's. That's the world that Lawrence is living in often. It's a cool one. Like you want, you want to speak to that a little bit, the zine fest mentalities? Yeah, it's weird. Uh, I've never actually been to like, well, so I've attended Comic-Con, but I've never, like I don't vent at Comic-Con. I've never done these big ones where it's like, oh yeah, I hope somebody from Marvel sees me. It's like, that's the furthest <laughs> from. <laughs> so it's, it, it's like to hear like i know it very well so i grew up on superhero comics like i'm not just like right. oh, i'm an indie no like i fucking yeah. love the hulk and like that's what i grew up on but i make like independent and coming from punk and hardcore like indie comics lend itself to what i was already used to with zines and releasing your own music and making your own label like it makes sense to me so auditioning I got an artist alley for someone to be like, oh, I like your work. You know, in a few years, hit me back up. It's like, no, I don't have a few years. I'm going to do it right now. Uh, (laughs) So I'm not used to that kind of world. Like, I usually do zine fests. I don't even, like, SBX was probably the biggest comic thing that I've been to. Like, I just hit up zine fest for years. Like, that was my, that's that's what I know. Like, uh, you know. Could you describe the difference? Um, It's funny because Essentially, they all started the same way. <laughs> like, right. Comics very was very indie. Like that was yeah, kind it was. Of, like fanzines and all that stuff. It's the same culture, but somehow there's been this weird shift. I guess. Well, it's the same thing happened to, to punk rock, right? And like seventies, sixties, eighties, it was it was this underground thing. It was for very specific kind of personality that was like you wanted to be a seeker of the underground to find it because it wasn't being played on the radio and it wasn't happening in the big venues and that kind of shit. And then somewhere along the way it became mainstream. And then there was this like, and then there was two different tracks that things followed. And I, and I see a similar thing happening with hip hop right now in certain ways as well. Yeah. It's weird. Cause it's like, maybe back in the day, like when I was younger, I'm like mainstream. Now it's whatever. I don't care. Do what you want to do. I don't care. Like mm-hmm. your life's your life, but just don't forget. Like, They've convinced us somehow that you have to publish it this way or you have mm-hmm. to release music this way. And it's like, we've already proven that you don't have to do that. Yes. And that's the difference I see at Zine Fest is like, no one was there asking like, hey, can I make this zine? It was like, yeah, I made a zine and I put it on the table. Did you want right. to buy it or do you want to walk away? Like, it was just- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Uh, and so I feel like some comic conventions, uh, they kind of bring in that that kind of mentality of like, oh, I might meet a publisher. And it's like, yeah, you might meet a publisher here, but don't be there for that reason because one, you're gonna get disappointed because most of them aren't really checking for right everyone on the floor. But two, is like this is your opportunity to make the thing you want to make and be proud of that. Like put it on the table. Maybe three people buy it. So what? Like you did something. And the next mm-hmm. time you'll do more, and then we find each other. Like Eric and I just happen to sit next to each other at a zine fest. That's the only reason I'm here. It's not because I'm special. Right. right? <laughs> we did, we had a good conversation and he remembered me and I remembered him. And it was like that, you know, that's what it is. Uh, that's, so I try to yeah, push that. An authentic people. experience. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's yeah. more real. I've Yeah, I've always felt like, and, and you know, we have the same thing in the music uh, world too, where there's people who are like, oh, we just got to get signed to a label. We just got to get signed to a label. And it's, I've always felt like it's like every time you get on the bus, you're looking for a millionaire. Like, 
just relax. Just keep, <laughs> just keep doing what you're doing. If you're good, it'll, it'll work out, you know, or you'll at least enjoy yourself. That's the yeah. thing for me with music and comics is like, I just love doing it. It's its own reward. It doesn't have to be this, this big, uh, um, you know, I, I don't need to win an award to, to feel like I, it was worth my time. A lot of people will overanalyze, like, is this, I have this idea, but is it going to sell? And they get, you get a lot less of that in the zine community, which I love. Like I was walking through the aisles of uh, Chicago zine fest, uh, one of the last ones they did before COVID. And I, the uh, logo for the band Jawbreaker caught my eye on this, this zine. And I was like, what is that? I love Jawbreaker. Like, I got to look at this. Turned out that it was somebody compiled all Blake from Jawbreaker had written all these video game reviews in like the 90s just to make a buck <laughs> on the side. And somebody compiled all of those into a zine. And it, it was just such a weird specific like video games and Jawbreaker. I loved both of those things. So like, that, <laughs> that nailed me. But like what percentage of people like if you really analyzed that, yeah. and put that out, like yeah. you might. Yeah, if you were trying to like do market research on that shit, it's like yeah. Eric. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so that's one of the things I love, like the chances that are taken in the zine community is one of the things I love. Yeah. yeah you never know. You sure. might come up with like, I'm not unrealistic. Like I'm passionate, but people got to pay bills. Like I don't, yeah, I don't pretend like I don't know people have to make a living. That's just yeah. not the mm -hmm. world we live in. That's what it is. Um, but it's the idea that, you should just make what you want to make because more than likely you're not going to make a lot of money from it anyway. It's like we get paid shit. Like if you want to be honest about oh, yeah. it. Break down those hours, you'll start crying. <laughs> so yeah. you might as well make the thing you want to make, you know, if money is that's your right. end objective because it's not, you know, that's not, that's rare, very rare to be this millionaire from comics or even music. Like that's a rare thing. Yeah. So you might as well make what you want to make and then sometimes you being allowed to make what you want to make leads you to like this gym. And I don't even mean money. I just mean like, like how I feel like, Oh man, I made this. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know, but I'm realistic. I got a baby. I got a family. So, you know, you got to eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm never just like, Oh yeah. Passion on is like within reason. Like you, you need to, do you have a regular job or, you know, like just, just kind of yeah <laughs> like i just yep. want to throw that in there because sometimes like you know we get passionate because we love it for sure but it's like also here are ways that you can eat as well without yes like, messing up your integrity if you will so. totally yeah i like i know people that like really hustle in comics and i i admire their their want to make a living in comics and some people do um i i worked towards a job that i actually love so i can do comics because I have this job and I can make my living outside of it. Like, um, but there's so many ways to go about that. And I, I have some respect for all of it. Yeah. I guess that, you know, that's really the thing that I, I think about with, um, it, if, for example, you want to be an artist, uh, at Marvel or a writer at Marvel, or you want to be signed to sub pop or Interscope, like those aren't unreasonable goals necessarily. Yeah. That what you what you're saying is you want to be great and you want to be recognized, of course. But I think the thing is, if if you think talking to an executive or talking to an editor or something like that is the route to that, that's you're missing you're missing the actual process of like making the stuff you love, figuring out what works, trying to develop like a plan for yourself and in terms of like how you can do something that you genuinely love. And also not, you know, yeah. eat mac and cheese every day for the rest of your life. You know, there's there there are ways to do it, but it is an experimental process. You have to let yourself kind of fall in the mud a couple of times and clean yourself off. And, and chances people are, are trying to find a little oh, shortcut. That might be the issue. It's true. Chances are, if you make your own thing and you have your own fan base, those people you want to work with are more likely to work with you anyways because they right. want to cash in on whatever you're bringing which mm -hmm. i would say like if you're able to do it yourself do it yourself but <laughs> but also if you need to check i under like I, i'm just not i used to be so idealistic when i was younger i was like yeah you know this is punk rock hardcore we do it ourselves blah blah, blah. and i was like i'm hungry <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm, I'm hungry. <laughs> Yeah. It's hard to be so independent when you're hungry all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, is there's ways, yeah, like experiment. Uh, yeah, there's ways to go about it. Also, your life is your life. Like, it's, it's cheesy to say, yeah. but it's true. Like, I can't do what Eric's doing because I'm not living the same life Eric is living. So mm-hmm. the way we make comics, while they might intersect at times, I got to do what's correct for however I need to live. Um and nobody can tell you how to do that. I can give you all the advice in the world. I still don't know your life. Like, right. Yeah. Well, how do you, how do you walk that tightrope though? Like you, you personally. Um, it, it's difficult. Uh, it's funny. I only did the D and Q, uh, deal because I wanted to bring in extra money, ironically for my family, uh, my spouse, we found out that she was pregnant and I was like, well, mm-hmm. We need more money. <laughs> and um That's very work, yeah, it, it is, but it's also I'm fortunate enough to be in a space where it's like more money meant going with the company that cared about my comic yeah. and right that had a proper deal with royalties. So that means my book will be in print forever. And that's oh, money geez. that my child can eat off of. So yeah. Wow. But it wasn't just like, oh yeah, this is a business decision. It was like, oh, I'm finally in a space where I could do something that I love and make a good decision financially, which is rare. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. I, to me that like connects directly with, uh, you know, the work you do with, uh, on, on mental health, you know, because when I think about having to make someone else's art, it, like I already have a, I already have a job that pays by the hour, you know, and the idea that I would be making someone else's work for free, out of my, you know, passion and talent, it, it, it it's, it feels like I get depressed just thinking about it, and so like I wonder if your message of mental health could be so well delivered if it weren't for this like desire for personal autonomy and independence that you've like kind of carried yourself with. Do you see a connection there or am I just kind of, I don't know. Um... Cause there's a level of honesty that needs to be there for you to be able to talk about these things. It's always very difficult to, to start the conversation. You know? Yeah. I think, like I said, it was like, a... I think I just happened to work in a place where it's like, people have been making comics about themselves forever so like I, I made this mental health comic out of necessity but also i have been putting out zines and like books and stuff like that so i was like oh, i guess this could be a book too uh, <laughs> like mm-hmm. like i don't know i would have made it no matter what because i needed to make it but then it, it wasn't until i saw that people were like oh yeah like that's that's kind of what i go through and i was like oh Maybe I could put this, you know, like how I was doing the other zines. Maybe I'll just put them out. Um, yeah. It's weird. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't. It's not that I don't think about it, but it's just kind of like, well, I'm doing it. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and then I just have built up the skills over the years to have the capacity to like, all right, I know how to distribute it, put it out and do a tour. And it just. Yeah, I don't know, but it. I think I do the things like D and Q, New Yorker, and that stuff to offset when I do do. Because uh, my spouse and I run our own press, but it's not for money. Like you, we wouldn't make any money anyways, but it's not for money to begin with. It's so that we always have a space to do any kind of comic we want to do, without having yeah. to kind of worry about stuff. And most of those comics are like done under that press. Yeah. So you own all the rights and it's completely published by you? Yeah. So we, we kick it like super DIY. We print everything at home, fold, staple, ship. Uh, we make That's a lot covers. of hats. Yeah. I mean, but we've been, I think it's like a, between the two of us, we're both cartoonists, but also my spouse has a degree in graphic design. Uh, oh, wow. I've been touring since 2012. Like we have this infrastructure that we built up that is just, you know, is kind of just what we do. Um, right again yeah, coming from organic. punk and hardcore it was just like 
coming from that scene and going into other things, it was weird how people felt they needed permission. Because I was surrounded by a bunch of kids. I was like, oh, we're starting a label tomorrow. You want to be a part of it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we're throwing a, a show in the pool. Uh, and then we're going to turn this into a backyard <laughs> show tour. And it was like, that's got to empty I... the wet dry vac three more times and we're set. <laughs> but it was like, I don't know. It was just like a disconnect of like, what do you mean we got to wait for? It's like, no, we just, we're just going to do it. Like this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know. So how did you get connected into the, the hardcore scene? Was it like a family <laughs> thing? Like, did you have an older brother or something? It's funny. Cause, uh, no and yes so my uncle before me skated was in like minor threat and all this stuff but i didn't know that until i was an adult so i had no idea uh, he never talked about it but me it was just um like through friends um yeah i was coming straight from <laughs> like very 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 straight up just like pro-black hip-hop uh and then you might have like some Jimi Hendrix and stuff like that in there. And then a friend was like, hey, you want to come to this show? You know, I was like, what is it? It's like punk. And I was like, all right, whatever. And then I don't know, it just stuck. He even said, he was like, when I introduced you to this, I never thought you would be the one that's like full on into it. <laughs> and it just became my life. And it came at a time where it was like, I was going down a road where the music gave me something um, a little more positive to do. Like that hardcore became like, it for me like when i was young i was like 14 and it's like this is saving my life right now and yeah you grew up with it did you grow up around the san francisco area then no nah. so when you said long beach i'm from Compton, but like la la yeah okay. but we used to go to a lot of shows we would have to travel to orange county and like the inland empire because they have better like all music venues and stuff a lot of them don't exist anymore but so when you say that, like, it was a force for positivity in your life, um, you know, but the argument I've heard from people who don't listen to heavy music is, um, you know, how could you possibly be happy listening to someone scream in your ear? So, like, what what did you, what did you find uh, helped you in a, in a positive way to kind of, like, have a better outlook? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, we could talk shit all day. Pung Hargo is a lot of destructive, especially when I was coming up, there was a lot of, like... Uh, kind of like white nationalists and like hiding in it and then later like yeah. wait a minute that's fucking racist <laughs> yep um but you know that's how they get anyways we can talk about that another time but um it was oh, i mean <laughs> just just to be clear we can talk about that anytime because like i had we had our own skinheads coming to our shows man we had to deal with our own shit so i i can relate but yeah it was like uh i was young but i was already drinking by the time i was 12 so uh when i got into hardcore they're like oh yeah there's this thing called straight edge and then you know we we chill but we don't do like drugs and stuff and at the time it was like it was good um mm -hmm. it sounds stupid but the pit was a way to get out like aggression as a young young kid that had nowhere to like kind of let that out and it was yeah. more positive than going out and doing some of the stuff I would have previously been doing. So, like, mm -hmm. it looks stupid while I'm running around in a circle to people who don't know. But to me, this is, right. like, saving my life and possibly other people's. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the heaviness wasn't just, like, heaviness. And they were talking about stuff. Like, these kids were talking about stuff, like, that mattered. Like, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't just like, yeah, we go skating, blah, blah, blah. There's a fair share of that. But it was like, no, here's how we're going to feed people. Food, not bombs. Here's, you know, it was like all these right. things. And it was like, oh, shit. Yeah. 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 There's it, especially the, the more political stuff. You, you can't like I always found that it was like a mixture of rage and like we can fucking do this. That was like infused in me through the music where it was never it was very rare that i'd listen to a punk song that had like a like a really strong political message where i would walk away from it going man nothing's gonna change around here yeah you know yeah it always had this like element of like we are the future we are the generation that will fix this even if no one else listens to us you know and like here here i am 39 i'm still trying <laughs> doing what i can you know <laughs> 
But yeah, yeah. so I related, and then it, relating coming from, like, you know, I'm already coming from a space where, like, my uh, folks came from Mississippi to California. So I'm coming from a space of people, civil rights, and like you know, like there's there's already this connection where punk is just an extension of all those things, whether right. they get credit for it or not. But that's where that stuff kind of comes from, uh, those political things. And so I'm coming from this, and but I'm not hearing it as a kid because you know this, this is like your uncle telling you like oh, I don't want to hear that. And, but this kid that's only two years older than me screaming it in the music that I like is relating to me, so it's like. Oh, yeah, I'm right. getting yeah like I don't know it was just there's a lot of there's a lot to take away from the scene uh, especially uh, when it comes to doing it yourself like it was just I had never seen people just band together and just like yeah we're, we're you know we're, we're gonna build this thing over here so people have shelter and they can eat like you, it was these are kids <laughs> yeah yeah so how many people time. were involved <laughs> in the scene that you were a part of what was that um, it was a good time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, quite a bit. Uh, you know, LA County's big, Orange County's big. Uh, so uh and then but unfortunately there's like a divide coming up for mm. me. Uh so I'm I'm 35. Uh I was born in 88. So I came up in like, you know, later waves of punk. Um right. and so there's like this divide between metal punk thrash and like there was that going which is stupid because it's like all oh, very similar um yeah, yeah. <laughs> shades of anger like i don't know okay i guess so we were just like, talking last week about uh, about gatekeeping and punk and there's a yeah. lot of that between the different genres and stuff so it was weird so i was in a punk band uh i played drums but i was coming from like hardcore punk perspective our bass player was a traditional skinhead <laughs> Ooh. Our singer was an anarcho-punk kid, and then our rhythm guitarist was a crust kid. So, like, all four of us were from completely different scenes, but we're right. the kids that like each other, so that's why we're playing. Uh, <laughs> playing that's like together. a testament to, like, what punk really is. is like, we all have our own it. clique, but we're also a clique of cliques, right? <laughs> so, at our shows, you would see, like... Uh, you know, you see the crust kids, like the gutter punks, and then some of the hardcore kids, and then you would have some of the Trojan and Sharp skins come through. And, you know, it was just, I grew up in that kind of scene. Uh, mm -hmm. But then when I would go to a specific show, if you weren't supposed to be at that show, you were probably going to get beat up or someone was going to try to fight you. And so, right. That's the divisive part. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. That was especially prevalent at that time, I think, too. Like a lot of the, um, you know, there's uh, there were there was a lot of stimulants getting uh, tossed around, and that was uh, you know, you, you give stimulants to a bunch of, you know, teenage boys and and young men, it's just, it's a brawl waiting to happen, you know, especially with uh, loud music and like everybody's kind of publicly sanctioned to punch each other every once in a while. It's just it's gonna escalate. Yes, I always hate that. It was it was wet because it's like. I don't know. I was coming from a space where it's like, in my head, I was like, like yeah, we're at the show, but like, you know, you're tough at the show, but in real life, this is, you know, you, you don't. Mm -hmm. So it was weird for me to to see like this behavior at a space where it's supposed to be like, you know, we just did jump off the stage and have fun, and, and then all of a sudden it just became like people had clicks and people were making crews, and it was like, what are you, what, are you, what? <laughs> Yeah. So that stuff never connected with you. You didn't. You didn't do the uh, the team sports. <laughs> no, like we 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 had a little like uh, there was like too many things were happening. There was like the whole posi core thing, and then I don't know. It was just too much. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like. So are you still part of that scene, or or I mean, have you kind of? You know. One's a punk, always a punk. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, more like, do you do you still hang out with uh, the the guys from the back in the day, or have you Not kind so of drifted apart? Yeah, I mean, like up here in uh, San Francisco, we have the Black and Brown Punk Fest. Uh, so th there's there's still things going, but it's kind of transitioned into like um, people I want to be aligned with. Whereas like back in the day, if it was a show and there was even like 
like a bunch of boneheads and Nazi skins there probably would have went just to, you know, like, oh, tonight the show, maybe, you know, like it, it's just, if yep. there was a show, I was going to the show, but now it's mm-hmm. more like, you know, I'm older and spend my time and, you know, but there's a new band that I like, Zulu, that's out of LA right now. And uh, like, there's a Zulu, Zulu? So there's like okay, a bunch cool. of new, newer, newer kids doing stuff that reminds me of like why I fell in love with the music. Yeah. So, can you name drop a few? We always make a playlist for every uh, episode. So yeah, I if, like you list, if you list the, <laughs> if you list the band right now, it'll end up on this playlist. So <laughs> Zulu, they just had an album come out on the third, so two days ago. Uh, Soul Glow, they're out of Philly. I really like them. Uh, Very cool. The Muslims, I like them. I've uh, heard of them. Yeah, I've heard of yeah. them. So there's there's a lot of good good stuff happening. Uh, there's a lot of good like uh, there's still a bunch of local like that was my favorite part like local backyard shows with bands that just no one knows them but we know them and we love them. So. Yep. <laughs> I've I've been in a lot of those bands. <laughs> <laughs> So that excites yeah, me because I feel like the kids are kind of, we went through that phase where unfortunately like the scene I was coming up in got kind of shitty with all the fighting and like kids getting mm-hmm. stabbed and that kind of stuff. Um, and now I feel like it's a little different, like back to how it should have been. Like it reminds me of the yeah. band where there was four different sets of punk in one band <laughs> and yeah. we kind of were just like, well, you know, we're little bridges to this entire scene. And I feel like all the kids yeah. are kind of meshing together again. Yeah, Toronto has kind of a similar thing going on right now. All the punk shows, there's just this like real intense energy, but like camaraderie too, like in a way that I remember. But again, I saw a similar thing here where there was a there was like a a community that formed and we were all kind of like on the same page. We were all working together for the common goal of like, this is going to be our world. We got to start taking it seriously. Like things are going wrong. This is like when I started getting into like really into it, it was like around the time of 9-11 and like being a Canadian, it was like, we have to make sure that we don't just follow in America's footsteps. You know, we have to have our own identity and we have to, you know, be the objective little brother. That's how we used to think about it. It's like, we have to have that sober kind of second, second look at things. And, um, you know, and then things kind of fragmented again. And everybody started kind of infighting and arguing about this wasn't even about the message. This is just the music, you know, like it became about what is and isn't punk. And, uh, you know, when I got back into the scene, like as a musician, um, very cynical, a lot of um, what have you done for me lately kind of attitude with people. And the venues and the musicians were now like this all the time. And that just created more and more problems. But now things seem to be kind of turning back around again. And there's like, there's an audience that's hungry for something real, yeah. you know, in a way that has been lacking in, in past years, I think. Yeah. Everything's always, they say they're like cyclical about everything. So I feel like comics is starting to do the same thing where it's like, yeah, you have more indie shows popping up, more zine fest, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, the world's always kind of crappy, but I feel like these kids have something. Yeah, I do. I feel like the kids, I keep saying kids like they're really young, but they're not. <laughs> it's nice that we can realize that, though, because part of why we wanted to start a podcast about music and comics and stuff was to help push the kids that are making the new stuff. Like, because people, are, like, I remember when, you know, my parents were young adults and they would talk about, like, how, there's no good music anymore at that time. Like, you know, REM was doing some awesome stuff. Um, Nirvana was about to pop on the scene. Like there was good music out there if you were looking for it. And I think that I, now I see that a lot in people my age where they, you know, they listen to the stuff that they grew up on, but there's no good music anymore. Music sucks. Now look at this, look at that. And, you know, me and Ben and our buddy, John and other people are just like, there is good stuff. You just have to get out there and find it. And, so I think it's it's nice that we can recognize that there are young people on the scene doing some really good stuff now. Yeah, amazing, especially in comics. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think we're yeah, comics for sure. I, like I can speak to music a little bit, but I don't. 
I'm not, I like I said, family baby. I'm not out there like that, like I used to be. But yeah. comics, this is our life. We're both cartoonists, and like, they, there's yeah. so much great stuff being made. Uh, Such a the, the yeah. diversity and ideas and everything. Like, just there's just so many. There's something for everybody now. Yeah, there's like an explosion of talent happening, and like I think. Um, you know what I think might be part of this? I've I've been wondering about uh, how much of an impact the 2008 crash had on creative development. Because, like, I was 23 when it hit, I think. Something like that. And, or no, a uh, little older than that, 24, 25. But when, it, when the crash hit, it's like my entire, gener my entire generation, and I'm pretty sure, like, people just before me as well, just, like went into complete like stasis we had just had to go into a holding pattern for for a fair amount of time and i think it resulted in in a um like a buildup of tension that never got resolved because we weren't able to express ourselves we didn't have the money to spend on making comics or or writing books or you know making music making paintings any of that stuff like we just had to survive for as long as we could and then things, you know, started to turn around and started to look a little better until, you know, the last, I'd say, eight years of politics <laughs> when things started getting crazy again. And then the pandemic hit and it's like this buildup. There's always a delay in like getting to this, you know, like pulling the release valve. And now I think it's just it's unstoppable now. And I think it's not just the young people. There's an like three generations of people who have just felt stifled for so long and we're all kind of in unison like enough is enough you know and you can feel it in the air yeah have you noticed this what's that i said that's what i would hope uh yeah yeah but also, I feel like I'm talking to people who are on the same, like, we're, we're the three of us are like, yeah, we agree with this. But then, like, <laughs> yeah. I'll meet someone, I'm like, oh, maybe it was just us. You know, I do think there's enough of us that, like, what you're saying is like, there's this kind of, you know, it's just pouring out. Yes. And the pandemic, I, I will say the pandemic definitely i don't know it did i don't know what it did to people because you know i know none of us will ever be the same after that is impossible to be um yeah. but creatives in particular even people who thought they weren't creative kind of were like well i gotta do something mm. again. like yeah. you know i always wanted to play guitar let me try out guitar um yeah while you know like surviving this terrible thing i'm surviving and masking my pain which we know music helps and comics helps. Um, yeah. And I think we're seeing, yeah, like you're saying, the result of all these years of, yeah, this collective buildup. You make a good point, though, talking about, like, how the isolation and the, you know, like, natural kind of mental break that happens when you're pulled out of your comfort zone. Like, I think we all, consciously or unconsciously, have all kind of agreed that it's like art saved the day. Like really what it is, is therapy at the end of the day. We all either indulged in someone else's or created our own or found an outlet because this energy we have needs a place to go. And when it doesn't have somewhere to go, we have to like put it on a page or type it into words or, you know, put it in kazoo form, whatever, whatever happens, you know, like yeah. there's, and, and I think that that critical mass is starting to like kind of bring something cool. Like, I don't know, man, when the when when the pandemic first hit, they said uh, right after the plague comes the Renaissance. And I was like, ah, whatever. Everybody wants everything to work the way it did in the past. But maybe. Maybe that's how it works. Who knows? Like all of the local people that I used to go watch play music in the early 2000s, like they all just recently started releasing music again, like in the last couple of years coming out of the pandemic. And it's been pretty awesome. Like I, people that I used to go watch like weekly, like I just putting out project after project with different people and 
Like it's there's been an explosion for sure. Like and people out of nowhere mm-hmm. popping up. I'm like, holy crap! I haven't heard you in 20 years. This is amazing. So, I definitely. Well, you never know. Like we, I mean, some of us, like me personally, I always live like I don't, I don't know if I'll make it till tomorrow. Like that's just as a traumatic thing. That's how my mind works. <laughs> but especially like after the pandemic, everyone was like, well, I don't know if I'll get to release that album. You know, we don't know what can happen, so let me try now. Like, yeah, yeah. Or there's people who might not have access to that. And my hope is to get to those people who's like, no, yeah, you can do this too. Like, like yeah. this world is made up. Like, it's just like you, you, you don't have that permission. Like, you're you're allowed to do the things you want to do as long as you're not harming no one, and you know, hopefully you're not harming yourself. Yeah. But like. Yeah, you don't know. Like, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So, yeah, go make a shitty album. Who cares? And, yeah. yeah like, do it. Please. Please do it. I want to listen to please. it. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that would – you nailed down, like, our general message for the podcast, which is, like, whatever you want to do, like, we're here for you, man. Do it. Like, we want to see it. And just have the I, mind the mindset of, like – I wanted to do this, so I did it. Not, oh, I want to do this, and it needs to make X amount of money. Or I want to do this, and yeah. I need to sell X amount. Because you're, you're going to ruin yourself before you start. Because um, mm-hmm. it's just not realistic. You have the best thing in the world, and people still might not like it. Like, yep. It's just not, you know. So do it because you wanted to do it, and you want to try it. And even if it doesn't work out, it's like it worked out. Because now, all right, now I know. I actually needed four pages instead of two. So let me do the next one. For, you know, like just try to take it yes. step by step like that. Totally. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Like, you know, I think part of the sickness of the time is that we have this sort of idea that cr- creativity is a product that has to be like tangible and has to be uh, given a, like a value placement in the economy or whatever. But like, I've always felt like everyone has a spark of genius, but you have to discover it and you discover it by trying and you just try the thing that, that resonates with you and you know what it is. Everybody knows what it is. Like you chose comics. That means you're an artist and a storyteller. So you could have done anything within those realms, but comics was the thing you chose. You just knew it was you. And for me, I played saxophone. I had a guitar put in my hands when I was a little, little kid. I had guitar lessons. I'm a drummer, man. It's what I've always been. I was tapping up. My mom told me it's crazy because I did all these other instruments. My mom told me a couple years ago, she's like, when you were one year old, you had the wooden spoons and the, and the pots upside down on the kitchen floor. <laughs> it was always in me. You know, I think, you know, we need to find that thing. We just need to discover it. And it doesn't have to have like a like a financial windfall at the end. Like, do you feel better when you're done? Good. It's worth it. Yep. You don't have to capitalize on your mental health. Just uh, get it out there and right. get your head straight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome. So uh, what are the comics that brought you into the into this world, into this um, artistic realm? Like, uh, what are the ones like I read? Like the ones that inspired you? Like, when you saw uh, them, you're like, oh shit, I gotta try that. It's funny. <laughs> so, I, I grew up on nothing but, um, like image comics. Mm. Oh, no shit. But yeah, not by choice. Uh, <laughs> okay. The comic shop, when my parents got divorced, uh, we moved in with my aunt, and there's a comic shop down the street. And so I would go in there and try to get like, you know, Marvel DC, but it's too expensive, but they had a 25 cent comic box and the Mm -hmm. image comics were in there because, you know, image, they made so many comics in the nineties that they had like a blood strike, new men, things like that. And so that's why I grew up on simply because I could afford them. Oh, wow. (laughs) So all the comics I made were like these really buff (laughs) exactly profit what was that one i can't remember all the names they're ridiculous hunter killer i think it was no no that was actually a cool one i think 
<laughs> All my remember. characters were knockoffs of their knockoffs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really worked. That's great. <laughs> and that, that's what inspired me because uh, I had never seen someone like Supreme. It's a ridiculous, it's like Superman to the max, but it was just ridiculous. And I was like, I can make something like this. <laughs> and it was like, I enjoy reading it, so let me try it. And uh, yeah, I just started making superhero comics. And then I got into alternative comics when I was in undergrad, like college, because mm. it's all sophisticated and stuff. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, that, that type of thing. Like, um, everyone thinks I'm going to say like, uh, like, oh, yeah, I was reading Love and Rockets from the stars. Like, no, that came later. Like, I grew Real up on, man or like, something like that. <laughs> yeah, like, I grew up on these really, like, raunchy and gory knockoff image comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You read B comics. <laughs> right? Like, nothing against old image. Don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, that's where Spawn came I from. Joined, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Savage Dragon, The yeah. Tick, like, all that yeah. stuff came from that era. But it was also... A lot, a lot of pockets and a lot of biceps on biceps on biceps. <laughs> so that that inspired me. Ironically, like I make nothing like that, but that that is my beginning of comics. Uh, I still cool. love it. Like I still have the stack. I still bust it on. Like this is stupid, but I love it. <laughs> like some of it is really ridiculous. Like I think it's inspiring because it let me know that like, well, if they can put this out there. I can make whatever the hell I want to make. Right. Right. That's what I always like. One of my biggest inspirations was Jeff Smith's Bone comics. And like, it was like Lord of the Rings meets like Looney Tunes, kind of like it was. And like, if you could do that, like, what couldn't you do? Like, so yeah, true. Dig that. Very true. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're going to be wrapping up. Do you have any uh, last words in terms of comics and mental health there, Lawrence? Any uh, shout outs? Yeah, I'm doing a workshop uh, with the Brooklyn Library. It's virtual, so anybody can come. Uh, but it's oh, mental cool. health comic workshop, and so we're gonna make like mental health comics. Uh, it's called uh, awesome. "Everyone Can and Should Make Mental Health Comics." Um, awesome. Which will be my last point. It's like, uh, yeah, get in the practice of if you want to make comics, just make them for yourself uh, as a therapeutic process. It's kind of like journaling, but I just happen like I draw, so I make mental health comics that aren't intended for like profit. They're not meant to show anybody. They're not meant to sell. It's just to kind of get my mind onto the page. Um, and so, comics is an excellent uh, form for that type of thing. Um, yeah, and make what you want to make. I know we keep saying that, but like, yeah, if that's the takeaway, I think like we could all agree like just make what you want to make. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we all ended up here because of exactly that you know like um even when the music thing was starting off uh in my mid-20s when i was when i started writing i started writing because i was legitimately losing my mind or i thought i was it felt like i was and i just started like a like a live journal kind of thing um just as a way of like writing my ideas down on paper and then reading it back to me and seeing if they were crazy mm -hmm. and over time, it helped me kind of clarify my thoughts and kind of like cut out the 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 noise that I've been kind of accumulating over time. And it really helped me get my head on straight and kind of like find my path. I, I would stop writing today and it would still feel like it was worthwhile. And I haven't made a cent off my writing, you know? Yeah. It's, it, it, the practice itself is worth something. And you got uh, you're on you're doing a bit of a tour this year, right? Yeah, routing of those or very cool. We'll see how that goes. Uh, it's yeah. been a while, but yeah, we're starting with uh, well, we have a bunch of local stuff here in the Bay, but uh, we'll be at TCAF. Um, nice. We'll be at some other ones that we're not supposed to talk about, but we'll we'll be outside of California this year for the first time uh, in a while. So, but yeah, I'll be in Canada quite a bit. I might be in Vancouver for a VanCAF, but we'll see. Cool, cool. Well, when you hit TCAF, I'll uh, I'll make sure I swing by your table. Yeah, awesome. it's a pleasure meeting you, man. Yeah, yeah that's... this is a great conversation. So glad yeah. to reconnect. 
It's yeah. good. I was like, damn, am I gonna get on here and just ramble? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we did. That's my job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, y'all made me feel welcome. And it's nice yeah. talking to people who like not too many people know about like when I start talking about that type of scene and like you know, like mm-hmm. it was a very specific time. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Very yeah. magical time. Well, it looks like it's coming back though. So yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll see you in a pit sometime. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to revisit it with our old broken bodies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm wearing a stupid band now for tennis elbow, and I haven't listened to the racket since I was like seven. <laughs> <laughs> Getting old sucks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, Lawrence. I really appreciate this. Thanks for having me. Hey, you made it through an entire episode. Good for you. If you're looking for more, give the rest of the channel a look. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll catch you fuckers next time. Later. <laughs>